When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show on a Thursday. We're back. It's Haley. It's Max. It's Sean. It's been three weeks, guys. We, uh... We left everyone hanging for a bit. Max got married. There was Thanksgiving. Sean and I crashed Max's wedding. It's been a while. What's up, guys? I was an invited guest. I wasn't. It's been three. You you got married three weeks ago. That's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that long. And I feel like we did. I did the cut in from Stockholm, but that I think that's mm-hmm. it. yes. Yes, but then yeah, we ditched you, you for Corey Chevry. Yeah. Which is fair. I do. We talked to you about Swedish treats. Yeah, and then that's right. You made your William, William Nylander. Nylander. <laughs> you know what? That didn't get as popular as I thought it would. Allison loved it. That's <laughs> all that matters. That's true. I just aim to please her as a friend. Uh, <laughs> welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Come on. Realized how weird that sounded the instant I said it. Come on. Um, very red all of a sudden. Uh, Max, what's going on in Detroit? Uh, Patrick Kane? <laughs> yeah, some stuff. Uh, it has been busy. It uh, Obviously, the, the news on Tuesday that they were going to sign Patrick Kane uh, has come to fruition. He is. He was skating with the team yesterday in New York. He's had his intro press conference, and now it's just a matter of kind of the countdown to when he gets into games. Sounds like the earliest that could be is uh, next Tuesday uh, in Buffalo, which obviously would be very fun. It's his hometown, uh, mm-hmm. but could also be later in the week. It's just going to kind of be a feeling out process. But, I, you know, I, after the press conference, both his and Steve Eiserman's, my biggest takeaway was, it. you know, we've all been – pretty cautious, I think, talking about what is this guy going to look like? And, you know, there's this unprecedented, uh, you know, kind of path back for an NHL player that's really only happened in tennis, really. Mm-hmm. He's 35 and all that. Man, they sound pretty optimistic. He sounds pretty happy with how he feels right now and the things that he can do now that he couldn't do last year. He talked about how, how last year he felt straight-legged and couldn't really do the leftover right crossover. You know, Steve Eiserman mentioned, like he said, if Kane can even be the guy he was last year, it's pretty good. But they expect him to be closer to the guy he was two years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to put up a 92-point pace. But the fact that they're talking like that had really had my attention yesterday. And, and Kane certainly sounds like he feels a whole heck of a lot better. I think it's a really compelling story um, just because, as you said, Max, how few players have come back from this kind of surgery. It was hip resurfacing. It's different than a hip replacement. Um, We've seen some players try that surgery, come back for a little bit, then not hit the same level. They haven't even come back. Um, Andy Murray is kind of the most famous example. But I wanted to ask you, Sean, without saying too much, because I know you're working on something. um, But like this is a this is a surgery that if it if it works in the way that people in Kane's inner circle think would be. You know, this is going to be the highest profile player to return at the expected level in this sport, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. And boy, I'm glad Kane and Iserman spoke at that presser before I made a couple of the calls that I made <laughs> last night because it kind of set the tone. I was, Max, you alluded to this. I was maybe not shocked, but I was surprised by the level of bullishness we saw from both those guys. Like mm-hmm. it was wild. Kane was 
Kane, you know, said that he passed on some things that his surgeon said to him. And, um, even Iserman had a level of opt, I had a level of optimism that you, I, Max, you know this better than me that you rarely see from him. He 100%. was like, he was like, he was like, he was like, let's, the subtext to all of that yesterday was like, let's go. This dude can do it. He, like, we, we believe in him. The surgeon believes in him. The Red Wings medical team believes in him. He believes in himself. Iserman's on board. And that's shocking because this is a serious procedure. Um, it's a common enough procedure among, you know, normies, basically. But yeah. it's it's not something that we've seen um, pro athletes or uh, an, an NHL player come from and play several years after. Ed Jovanovski was the first guy to have it. It all went well. He played about 40 games on it in his last season, but he was also 38, different kind of player. At the end of the road, he ended up not playing, um, not playing again. And that's probably the best, the best example, like the, the most positive outcome we've seen. Ryan Kessler had it after having a gazillion other surgeries on his hip. That's a major factor. And again, I don't want to totally spell the beans on, on what I'm writing here, but that's a major factor for Kessler. People want to compare Kane to Kessler. You know, Brian Kessler had multiple operations on his hip. He missed multiple years and, and a ton yeah, of time over the years. Because and they're also that, just not, like not the same Not the player. same thing. Not the same thing. Not the same kind of player. Um, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, you know, doesn't seem like it worked out all that well for him, but, you know, remains to be seen. The sample size is tiny. We don't have enough players to draw any conclusions in one direction or the other, other to say that this is something that a NHL player can't do or can do, but everybody who's involved, everybody, all the stakeholders here, all the important people when it comes to, you know, figuring out what's going on with Kane's future, everybody involved is like, this dude can do it. He can come back and still play at a high level and be that kind of Andy Murray, you know, figure where Andy Murray's doing it in tennis. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that Patrick Kane can be that guy for hockey. The people involved believe that that's on the table. And Sean, you know, if you don't want to talk about this before the story comes out, but shattering the the expected benchmarks mm-hmm. for when he can do some of this return stuff, right? Yeah, and this is, I mean, you and I are we're sharing sharing some, some of work. that though, Sean. Yeah, we were we were sharing some work over the last over the last couple of days, but absolutely, like uh, without you know, hopefully, this story of mine runs the plan is run it either Friday or Monday, but the prognosis is really good, and some stuff happened during the procedure. And after the procedure in terms of his rehab that make all this optimism that we saw yesterday that was shocking to me when I when I heard the the tape that Mac that Max passed along. A lot of stuff that I taught that I talked about, talked to people about yesterday, it made it stand up. That made me be like, okay, this doesn't sound as crazy as it is as it yeah. does before. We don't necessarily have to apply the Ryan Kessler or Nicholas Backstrom logic to this particular player. We at least, least, if nothing else, we need to see how it, how it turns out because these people are optimistic for a good reason. Yeah. Patrick Kane didn't hobble back to hockey after eight months of rehab, Um, but there'll be more details on that because Sean's working on something pretty cool. But I think the last question on Kane and the last of Max, because we're talking about What's a realistic expectation for Kane? We have to consider the hip surgery and like how he feels better. He feels more like shifty, the lateral movement. Like, you know, your hips are so critically important to this sport specifically that we're, we're talking about, the mobility, the movement, um, everything like that. I don't think anyone's saying that Patrick Kane at 35 is washed. But if a healthy, like, let's just say he comes back and the surgery was great and his hip is not a problem. What is 35-year-old Patrick Kane going to be realistically for the Detroit Red Wings? So the Red Wings have 61 games left. Let's say Kane's going to play 55 of those. I think he's going to score. I think the expectation is you think he's going to score in the 40s. And if you get more, you are over the moon. Um, if you get 40 less, goals in 60 games? 40 points. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I guess I should have been more clear on that. Uh, but like, like, oh, like I'm a, on fire today. Let's <laughs> come go. On. Like, back. like a three quarters of a point per game situation here, right? Like you're, you know, 0. 0.7 yeah, to 0. 0.8, you know, and, and I think you're really happy with that. That's a, that's a top six scoring pace. And, and it, the game is not all points. And I think the the biggest questions are going to come here and what can you get out of a 35 year old Patrick Kane defensively? And, and how does that fit into a team that needs to be good defensively to succeed? 
but they also needed a playmaker. They needed a guy on their power play flank, especially that power play flank. And they need a guy who they can play with Alex to bring it and, and continue to get the most out of him. He's played well so far. He's got, I think, 12 goals in 21 games. Now you're going to put him with the best, you know, playmaker he's ever had. And I think if he's scoring, you know, 40 to 45 points in 55 to 60 games, you're over the moon, right, Sean? Like as recently as two seasons ago, for as bad as Kane, as bad as Kane, he hit a hundred goals in in twenty twenty one. No, for as for as bad as he was defensively, even in the tail end of his prime, if if it, I don't, know, that might be unfair to frame it that way. Yeah. Two years ago, he stunk defensively. He was terrible, but he was also productive enough at five on five in the power play to make it stand up. He was a guy who. Two seasons ago, you're like, yes, there are defensive shortcomings, but he does. Then there's enough production there, you know, to offset it. And if that's if that's who he can be, I keep coming back to the fact that this hip thing, even though it was an issue for him and, and it and it bothered him, it was not something that was a three, four, five season ongoing issue that affected his his productivity. It just wasn't, oh, and that's a huge deal. Last year, and part of the reason why he didn't look great with the Rangers and towards the end of the year and made the decision to have that offseason surgery, right? Something wasn't right. He addressed it. And now he's reunited. <laughs> he with couldn't Alex cross Debrina. over. He couldn't do left to right oh, crossovers. No. Like what? That's going to impact. Come your, on. Uh, skating. Your, probably your shot. Defense, etc. So there's probably something I, obviously this has been talked about, in Detroit, I would assume, but like you've got to think that there's some excitement at the idea of putting Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane back together because Dabrinkit was a 40 goal scorer, actually 40 goal scorer mm-hmm. with Patrick Kane. Yes, and 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 even Eiserman, who usually is it's pulling teeth to get him to make any declaration, said he, he thinks it's safe mm-hmm. to assume that you're going to see those two guys together at some point, whether yeah. it's immediately, whether it takes some time, plans can change, all that, but. Cool. That that's the vision, right? It's it's the prototypical playmaker, one of the greatest, maybe the greatest playmaker of his generation, um, alongside a, a forty goal finisher who who he's got a lot of familiarity with. I, I loved hearing Kane talk about the relationship because you think about kind of like a guy of Patrick Kane's stature in the game, and what he mm-hmm. came to really respect about Alex DeBrinket was that DeBrinket would go at it with him, and they could yell at each other, and they, they could be mad at each other, and not take it personal, and that's the stuff that you hear from these big time competitors. And that is, that is, I think a, a part of their relationship that they, they want it so bad that they like, they can yell at each other and come back from it and let it fuel them. And uh, so he, obviously Debrink, it was a reason that Kane wanted to be in Detroit. And and so you have to think that you're going to see him together fairly quickly. Dylan Larkin's going to be caught in the middle. Like I feel uncomfortable. Mom and dad <laughs> are fighting again. <laughs> Dylan's got some fire to him. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, what before Max? Just what? What day do you think he's returning? Like whatever, I'm putting you on the spot. What I booked the hotel back? in Buffalo just in case. Uh, that sounds like the earliest. And I, Beautiful. if it's me, you can you can argue it two ways. Do you want him to debut at home? It, their next home game after that is against San Jose. That's kind of a natural easing game. But do you want to debut him at home where he's got the the nerves of playing at home and it's his first game back, or do you want to try to work him in uh, against Buffalo on the road? It's nice. That's his hometown. And then he's got a game under his belt before he comes home. I booked a hotel in Buffalo. I'll be at that one. So that's my guess. What day is it? Is that the Tuesday? Tuesday, game? yeah. But that'd be, that's also the earliest. So it's being ambitious. Yeah. Well, because they play, they played yesterday. They play today. They play Saturday, then Tuesday. Yeah. So that's really only one, maybe two practices in between. Yeah. So that, that's that the meant. question. I think they talked about a few practices, but. Kane was also talking about yesterday. He got out there for morning skate with the Red Wings and was like, I feel like I could kind of go tonight. So Mm, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. That's right. Seems like next week would be a realistic target, though. Yep. Fun. Very exciting. Well, uh, other than Patrick Kane, we are at the quarter season mark of the NHL calendar for most teams. Some teams like the Ottawa Senators have still only played 17 games. I love looking at the differences in how many games these teams have played. But for the most part, we're we're at the quarter mark of the 2023-24 season. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give us give you some thoughts. I hope they give me some thoughts. <laughs> Why am I the host? 
<laughs> Sean's just sitting there with his head in his hands. Like, you do it then. You do it. No, no thanks. Am I the Alex Debrinket or the Patrick? I'm the Debrinket because Sean's old. I'm the Debrinket <laughs> great, great, who great. will yell at Sean. He respects you for it. <laughs> the old grump, and he respects the hell out of me. I don't know yes, about that. That's right. <laughs> okay, when we come back, we're going to do a quarter season report. All right, welcome back, everybody. We're going to do a little quarter season report. Not a report card. I don't feel like going through all 32 teams and you know handing out grades. I think that would take too long, especially with the three of us who can't stay on track. Sounds like a power so. rankings theme to me, actually. <laughs> there you go. That'll that's your power rankings clue for for Friday morning, everybody. Um, but let's just go through some of our biggest surprises. Um, we can go through through the divisions here. Um, surprise can be good surprise, bad surprise. Let's do it. You guys neutral start surprise. With <laughs> neutral surprise. Um, it wouldn't really be a surprise if you're feeling neutral about it. It'd just be like, yeah. I'm whelmed. I'm neither over nor underwhelmed. I'm like the, I'm the, just whelmed. The Canadians power play was great the start of the season. They were winning games. Now they're seventh at the Atlantic, and it's fine. They're just <laughs> there. And that's okay. Let's start with the Atlantic. Max, what's your biggest surprise out of the Atlantic division? I maybe this is cheap, but I'm gonna go with the Bruins. I Obviously, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, a a year after we watched (laughs) them do what they did, maybe I'm just the fool for thinking that they were going to have a little bit of a comeback down to earth, losing the greatest two way center of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, But they haven't, and that's on me for not uh, not realizing that they are indestructible. And and they have, you know, I think the best blue line in the league. I think the best goaltending tandem in the league. But I just thought you lose the centers of the of the caliber that they lost, and you're supposed to feel it. And they just haven't mm-hmm. felt it one bit. Mm-hmm. I think that was the conversation that we had about the Bruins on this show before the season, which was, we don't think they're going to be terrible um, because of the blue line, because of the goalie tandem that they have. There are a lot of pieces, like David Pasternak, there's so many pieces on that team that are still there. But yeah, you subtract you know, two, two centers from that conversation. You look at who is getting put in those places. Um, we didn't think that they were going to be bad, but we also didn't think that they were going to have only four losses. Yeah, they were supposed to have to fight for it. And they, yeah. <laughs> they have not had to do that. Every one time bit. I check in, I'm like, I think it was last week. Like the Bruins have only lost three games this season. Like, what the mm-hmm. hell happened here? So they're just, they're just chugging along. Patrice Bergeron, by the way, keeps getting spotted at the facility where PWHL Boston works. And I'm just wondering you know, protect your peace. You're retired. It's fine. But like work for the team. Like when is Patrice Bergeron going to coach Hillary and I, like, I just think that would be so cool. Be the assistant, be in player development. I don't care. Do they have one of the good team names or one of the bad team names? (laughs) The Boston wicked name them. The Boston Boston Bergies. Boston Bergies. That would probably be like rude to name a women's hockey team after a man. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm sure no. I'm sure that w- that's not problematic at all, and nobody would have uh, nobody. Sound off in the comments. Let us know what you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. good, bad. <laughs> Let's see. Sean, do you have I, all a right, so yeah. So they've lost three in a row. They're fourteen four and oh one God. now, I believe fourteen four and three now. Um, so that brings them closer. It normalizes their record a little bit, right? Yeah, but even they're still, only third in the league now. I mean, if they go on a, li- if they, if that water finds its level over the next couple of weeks, then, you know, they'll be a little bit closer, I think, to where maybe some of us had them at the start. I felt like, I felt like there was a little bit too much doom saying going on with them at the start of the season. Cause yeah, like, of course, it's, it's devastating to lose Bergeron and Krejci, like, whatever. But two really good goaltenders, really strong defensive teams, some decent pieces. Some, uh, David Pasternak is a, you know, Hard candidate. I'm not completely shocked by what they're doing, even though they've lost, whether they've lost three games in a row or not. But no. good God, was not. It was also not expecting them to win 14 in their first 15 games either. No. Nope, it's wild. Uh, Sean, do you have a big surprise from the Atlantic Division? If I, if somebody told me at the start of the season that 
the Buffalo Sabres would be middle of the pack in goals against and expected goals against per 60 and five on five, I would have said that is a team that's going to be in playoff position. And that is not where they find themselves. They're not terrible. Um, they're 10, 10, and 2, which is, you know, 22 points. They're a couple steps behind the Leafs, the Wings, and the Lightning, and the Atlantic. But something's missing there, right? Mm-hmm. The def- they, they were a horrific defensive team last year that, you know, still thrilled everybody with the way they played with the puck. The issue for them moving forward, or so everybody thought, was going to be defensive play. Like, were they going to be able to solidify it? Were they going to be able to get it together? You know, was Devin Levi going to be the guy? First off, Levi's in, Levi is in the AHL at the moment. That is that is concerning. And even though they've been pretty good defensively, you know, their production's taken a step back too. So the end result, like what we have here, is a team that is significantly less fun than what we saw last year. Significantly less fun than what we anticipated coming into this season. Tage Thompson's hurt. They've had other injury issues kind of up and down the lineup. It's just not working out for them uh, in the way that a lot of people hoped. And while it's not that much of a surprise, I think it is a major disappointment because the fun factor is gone from that roster at the moment too. And that's why everybody loved them so much coming in the season. So they're my pick. Yeah, they were high on the watchability rankings last year and it just hasn't hasn't been that way this yep. year. I do wonder if part of the disappointment comes from uh, the almost expedited, and I, I hate to say expedited because Sabres fans are probably listening, being like, we've been yeah. rebuilding in bad for years. It wasn't expedited, but I do think the expectations jumped really quickly. They got a little out of hand. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, well, they could have made, they were like, what, one point out last year? Let's do it again. They're going to they're gonna do it this year. Um, hasn't worked out that way. I <laughs> Sabres, my- fans, Sabres fans were just like, all in on them too, and this totally, is this totally. is this is this is anecdotal. And I don't blame them for it. You know, all that team being bad for so long. They finally get some fun last year. It's like this yep. is it. Here we go. Uh, so the twenty-two year old goalie looked like a twenty-two year old goalie, and yeah. you know there was some regression. And honestly, like I, I disappointing. I think about this because the coming of the year, the comparison was always between the Red Wings, the Sabres, the Senators, who's mm-hmm. closest. And we were always, I and think, everyone was down on the Red Wings. Yeah. And, and I think I was too. I think I, I was putting the Sabres in a different tier than those other two teams. Yep. What I probably failed sense. to credit is, as Sean said, the, the goaltending. And two, what I was looking at, I was hypnotized by how talented the Sabres blue line is. Absolutely. But they are so young too. And it is mm-hmm. hard in the NHL to win with that many young 20s defensemen. It may be better mm-hmm. off for them long term. I'm not saying it's not the right course long term, but sure. that those that's the biggest difference I see between those two teams. And yes. maybe that's part of the reason it's played out the way it has. It just seems like a two-step forward, one-step back situation over the last couple of yeah. years. Just the way it goes. Progress isn't linear for young teams, but it's still a bummer to see. Yeah, yeah. people have question over the last few years like you know i think one per i think i heard somebody on the radio i was on the radio with them and they said like i think steve eiserman's plan is to just like keep signing like veteran dudes forever and not actually get any better but then you watch them play and it's like yeah of course you'd rather have owen power over justin hall five years from now but like you also and maybe justin hall is not the perfect example but he's been you, fine the leafs probably i think leafs fans probably missed that dude they got a week of john Klingberg mm. and went oh no <laughs> Justin Hall, please forgive you us. Could have seen that coming. Um, who would have thought? Anyone who was surprised at John Klingberg being terrible was one of those stereotypical East Coast fans that didn't stay up until you know ten to watch the Ducks. I don't blame them. The Ducks were terrible last year, but not good. Um, but yeah, it's been interesting to see um, what everyone thought between those three teams and what's actually happened. Um, Okay, let's wrap up the Atlantic with my biggest surprise, and that's the Florida Panthers. Uh, so it's two years in a row now where I've wondered if teams with injuries are going to be able to weather the storm, and the Bruins made me look stupid last year, very, very stupid last year, and I think the Panthers are doing the same thing. Uh, they were one of those teams at the beginning of the year that I think a lot of people had questions about saying, you know, what is this team going to be? What are they going to look like without Ekblad and Brandon Montour throughout the start of the season? Uh, well, at the quarter mark. It's a 636 point percentage right in the mix with the top contenders in the league. Uh, They did not dig themselves in a hole. Ekman Larson looks good. Mm -hmm. He's been a big part of, you know, that team being able to kind of bridge the gap defensively. 
Uh, I think they were in on Kane. Pierre Lebrun said that they were in on Kane. Obviously didn't get him because he signed with the Detroit Red Wings. But I think the Panthers have been a big one for me. And one of the surprises, something that I don't think anyone expected from them, especially when we talk about the Ekblad Montour injuries. And this is from Dom's uh, 16 stats. The Panthers rank third in expected goals against and actual goals against in the NHL so far this season. They have sacrificed a bit of their offense to do it, um, but they are a better defensive team right now than they were last year when people were healthy or healthier. Uh, So that's kind of been a surprise. And (laughs) even Dom, who was originally uh, a bit of a Paul Maurice hater, had to say massive kudos to Paul Maurice for pulling that off, considering his top two defensemen were out for the first two months. Which is crazy. Like it, to me, yeah. that, that was always the question of, you know, the Panthers, I think, show they, they found something late in the season last year. Obviously, totally. they make the, the run to the Stanley Cup. But the question was, are, are they going to find themselves just out of it by the time that they're at full health? And mm-hmm. much like Bono behind you, they mm-hmm. have woken He's up so and are cute. ready to bask in their moment. He's the cutest boy in the world. Wow. I'm I think Sam, I think Sam Reinhardt is the cutest boy in the world. <laughs> he is he is among the goal scorerest boys in the world. There is no doubt about that. He's making some money, baby. Who's that? Get paid, Sammy Reinhardt. Could she be any cuter? What is that from? I I know the sound. <laughs> it's but from a Canadian TV show wow. from like 20 years ago. It's this little puppet and her nana called Nana Land. It's blowing that's, up. That's on the TikTok name of the show, now. Nana Land. Yeah, Nana Land. Banana Land. That tracks. Nana Land. Anyways, let's move on to the next division. What is it? It's the Metro. I feel like we should just talk about the Penguins. I'm gonna <laughs> go have, rogue here. I'm to? trying to expedite things. Uh huh. Sidney Crosby. Uh-huh. Here's some stats again. I've stolen these from our friend Dom. He's not in the show anymore. He's been kicked off. He's not a bestie anymore. But we're gonna steal his stats. Sidney Crosby's on pace for 51 goals and 94 points. Jake Gensel, also on pace for 94 points. Getty Malkin, pretty much a point-per-game player. Brian Rust, very good. Eric Carlson, as good as advertised. Uh, Chris Letang looks like himself. Tristan Jari, 915 save percentage. <laughs> Pittsburgh has plus 10 goal differential, the 10th best mark in the league. Uh, all that, and the Penguins are still 10, 10, and 1. All of that, and they are still a 500 hockey team, seventh in the Metro. Who can it, I wonder why? What could it be? Well, what could their why? big problem be? That's that was my question for you. The power play is as mm-hmm. bad as it realistically could have been. Um, at the start of the season, the narrative was like, "All right." this team is at least generating expected goals on, on the power play. Like that was something like Dom and I talked about and whatever, like the process seemed like it was there. Maybe the, the finishing wasn't, they were saying they're getting lucky, whatever. They were literally leading the league in expected goals per 60 at fairly, you know, a few weeks ago on the power play. No longer the case. It's, you know, down creeping towards 10% conversion rate, which is out of control. And the process has cratered as well. Like you, you, you watch it, you can see it when you watch them play. There's not a lot of chances being generated. There's, you know, they look, (laughs) they look lost. I, that I was trying to think of some like less cliched way to put it. Cause you always say, Oh, that team looks lost out there on the player power play. They do look lost. And given the talent they have, it's just, it's unacceptable. It's hard to feel optimistic about a team that has Sidney Crosby, who is still doing what he does, Evgeny Malkin. Like, we just listed all those stats, and yet it's hard to feel any sense of, like, true optimism about the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Because Tristan, Tristan Jari was the issue earlier in the season, and he's, like, been fine. He's rounded into shape over, over the last couple months. In that time frame, though, the power play is completely cratered. You know, like the, there was a last week. I know, I know, it's old news at this point, but they they lost the Rangers one nothing. They had five chances on the power play. They generated five total shots. It's a one zero loss to a division rival who you know who who they're potentially. I mean, at this point, you can't put them in competition. But it's but it's it's those points matter more than most. And that's a game that they lost solely because of incompetence on the power play. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody anticipated that they'd be like, you know, that they would be pulling, um, you know, that they'd be like, whatever, Oilers 2.0, but they've also been just miles, miles, miles worse than anybody could have anticipated. And, and at this point, it looks like they're going to miss the playoffs because of it. Yeah. Anybody have a guess what the Washington Capitals power play is clicking at right now? <laughs> oh, brother. Nope. Higher? Nope. Oh, <laughs> worse? It's terrible. 5.7%. And they are somehow in third in the Metropolitan Division. It is the weirdest thing ever. The, the Capitals have a goal differential total of minus five. And the Penguins are, as you said, plus 10. I, I, we left the Capitals for dead like a week into the season. Yes. And I yes. stand by it because that can't continue. But it's just like there's some weird, you know, cursed lamp thing happening here where we're talking about well the duck penguins lamp. is just the power play yeah some cursed duck lamp happening here and and the capitals are just defying all logic and doing it with an yeah. under six percent power play it's the weirdest thing yeah is there another big surprise in the metro obviously i think the canes would have been the big one not playing great hockey but they've they've pulled they themselves it. up a little bit more they're second in the metro right now obviously the rangers are the top team in that division the devils are down in the bottom with the penguins um but i think we can there are a ton of injuries you lose jack hughes who is having mvp caliber start to the season um i think i still put him in that conversation is there anything else in the metro you guys any big surprises in that division max uh, so the only thing I'd say about the Devils is the the thing that's holding them back. I don't think we can say we're surprised about much. To Sean's same point about the Sabers, it's the goaltending, mm-hmm. and we knew this was yeah. a question, and it has bit them. And so even though the Heisher Heisher still being out and Hughes having missed some time before coming back, like even though those are real things, I I think the reason that they're failing, not failing, the reason they're struggling mm-hmm. is the goaltending, and I don't think we're that surprised at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Hughes is back. He had a three-point night uh, against the Islanders. Goal and two assists. He sure came back. But I think it's going to take Oh, he sure did come back. That's my fault. I didn't realize he was back yet. Shout out to the Flyers. <laughs> they're, they're scraping points together. I, 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 I caught them live in Carolina a couple weeks ago. They're, you know, they're... They're making it work. I you got you got a lot of a lot of hot sticks on the on that team, which is which is always fun to watch. You know, I, I don't think it's all that sustainable, but it, they play they play hard, and they're right there, at least in, in the division, in the middle, in the middle, solidly in the middle portion of that division so far. Platonic ideal, John Tortorella team. That's right. Yeah, and also Watch shout out John Tortorella. I don't know if you guys saw, um, but they had that um, young young guy on the bench during hockey fights, cancer night. It was really cute, uh, very sweet. And it was one of those things where that's the difference between a John Tortorella who has this like, yeah, he's the grumpy, mean guy coach, old school coach, but I think he genuinely does care about people. And I think that's the difference between a Tortorella and some of the other old school coaches. He's good at the warm and he's good at the warm and fuzzies for sure. Yeah, but I think it's like genuine warm and fuzzies. He's not just doing it to make himself look like a better person. Anyways, let's take a quick break and uh, go over the Western Conference. We're back. It's time to talk about the Western Conference. The dog is still sitting behind me. Bono is still here. It's very distracting. Uh, let's start with the central guys. Um, do you have any big surprises? The thing with me, I guess, I'm not surprised by how the top of the central has shaken out. I think we all expected the Avs and the Stars to be the top two teams. I didn't think the Jets were going to be bad this year. They're third. And then you've got the and then you've got the surprises kind of sandwiched in the middle. The Chicago Blackhawks, they're last. That's not a surprise. And then you've got the Blues, the Preds, the Coyotes, and then the Wild, second last in the Central. And I think that's where some of the surprises come, right? Nashville Predators, as of Thursday afternoon, they are they have won six in a row. I don't think I saw that coming. The Blues have been competitive, wild, very bad to the point where they fired their coach. 
What's the biggest surprise in that division for you, Max? I think it has to be the wild, although kind of in the same way we talked about with New Jersey, like there is a little bit of a color me shocked a team playing with $15 million less against the cap to work with is Mm -hmm. uh, struggling, right? Like you just imagine what you could do with that space and, you know, but we, we've seen them do it before and we see, we saw them do it last year and I, I think it has to be them. Um, but it, it, I really feel for Dean Avison who, who ate it because basically because they didn't have any other lever to pull. And I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys read the interview he did with Mike Russo. It was, it was really good. So good. I was mm-hmm. shocked by how candid, how, you know, open rib cage basically he was for, for that. Mm-hmm. Really good. The quotes, they were, he was like going to yoga. They were having breakfast. He had a vanilla latte with Russo. It's like, is he living the Toronto girly dream? Core power <laughs> yoga. Right right down down vanilla was, latte. With Russo. Right with down to coffee Russo, with Russo. Let's go. <laughs> I, I think the wild are my pick too. I, that's, a, I, and no shade to all these teams that are, you know, out kicking their maybe preseason predictions because Haley said it there's a lot of them right the Preds the Blues even the Jets to some extent like these are teams that a lot of people thought were going to stink and to varying degrees uh, don't seem like it so shout out to them but man the Wilder I was not expecting their goaltending to be this bad and I say this as someone who drafted Philip Gustafson way high in our in our staff fantasy league Mm -hmm. You have, and that's the single biggest reason, like that things shook out the way they did for Everson, because you know he's got the five. He's his two goaltenders, Gustafson and Mark Andre Fleury, Fleury, are fifth and sixth from the bottom in goal saved above expected. Like those guys are just letting they're letting them down to some extent. And it's you know you have Matt Boldy who who hit a major scoring slump. The PK has been terrible. It hasn't just been the goalies, but it's been close enough. And even still, I'm surprised by the degree to which that's just totally submarine them. And Max, I think it kind of comes back to what you said. You know, they're $15 million in the hole when it comes to payroll. So, you know, stuff like center depth and all these things that we've seen come back and bite them over the last couple of the years, of the last couple of years, that is magnified even more than the average team mm-hmm. when you're getting some crummy play from your goaltenders. So I'm, I'm surprised they, they're real. They're, they're done. And I'm, and I'm surprised that. If that's the case. Is fifteen so, million dollars enough to get a good center, Sean, in the National Hockey League? <laughs> Some say you could get two. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing where, how much of this does Bill Guerin need to wear? Because he's played the coach card now, and sure, he was like making up, like he was trying to correct some of the errors of the past, but it was his decision. Like he created a lot of that dead cap, right? So at what point he, he, and yeah, has it maybe it's his, already happened yeah. and maybe it's happening now, but at, you know, now the, the seat's getting warm on Bill Guerin, no? I think so. I mean, I, I mean, maybe not, maybe not getting warm, but you know, cause we all know his relationship with the other seems really strong and he's done a good job and whatever. Like, yeah, but you can only hit that button so many, so many times. That's just the nature that's the nature of the thing. I don't know. Ask Yarmo Kekalainen how many times you can hit the coach button. Maybe I, that's I, redefining dozen. what I thought the, mm-hmm. the limit was. Yeah. It's an yeah. uncommon situation. There. I think I, Bill Guerin has done a this. pretty good job overall. I mean, we, we talked mm-hmm. about the cap thing and that is the, the mystifying one, right? But 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 totally. yet we know why it happened, right? And, yes. and I think he has yeah. brought in a lot yeah. of guys. My, the biggest question- like He kind of had to do that as much as it sucks. And it's like easy for us to say it was 15 million happen. dead caps. Like he kind of had right. to do that. And I joke about the center. It's not like they had that $15 million and he punted it. They was tied up in two guys basically. Yes. So, but yeah. the, the bigger question with Garen is kind of these like around the fringe contracts mm-hmm. that he's given out, right? To yep. these extensions. And that's where the, the criticism comes. But I don't think that's like, fireable. I don't I don't think to me Bill Guerin wouldn't be on the hot seat, but it's a it's a you know high eyeball market and they're used to you know being a lot better than they are right now. And yeah what, what I think, you know, I saw a couple wild fans say this and you know the best thing for them isn't to to turn it around right now. As much as that that might be what they want. Mm-hmm. The best thing for them is to have just that one odd year where you you know suck. And yeah. get a top five pick and you hope that sure. it, you get one of the good ones and it's not 
you know, uh, a waste one. But, you know, didn't Tampa have that like one year in the middle of all their stuff where they got the number three pick? And it turned out to be yep. Jonathan Duran. Yeah, okay, that's tough. Mm-hmm. But they flip him for Mikhail Sergachev, and that's very good. Yeah. And y- you have that, and you pull it off, and you're fine. And I think if you're a Wild fan, at least they're not – like, maybe the team's not good right now, but, like, at least they're not stuck in the middle. And I think that's where that – what you just said, Max, comes in and say, like, just – because if they – you know, Bill Guerin has said, you know, he thinks that this group of players can do it. He thinks they can turn it around, bring in John Hines. Let's like put some wins together over the next, you know, 60 games of the year and see where we go. But like, I I don't know if that group of players with a new coach turning it around gets higher than like a wild card spot. And wouldn't you rather them just be bad and get that pick? If you're a fan, after years of being in the mush, Maybe mm-hmm. like just just be bad, get a good draft pick. But if the goaltending normalizes, that's good enough to take them out of the basement or whatever yeah. or close to it. But do you want to have the thirteenth overall pick and lose in the first is that, round? Is that is that good enough to get them? You know, a round or two or three deep in the playoffs? I don't I don't think so either. And that's See. just where you know you just gotta you gotta wear it for a couple years. That's the way mm-hmm. it goes. You know, you can't. Top two centers are Ryan Hartman and Marco Rossi in some combination. That's just not it's not playoff stuff and they don't have they don't have the money available to to improve on. It's a tough yeah. tough spot. I dropped Ryan Hartman on my fantasy team. Oh. Right. Isn't isn't the problem, you know, how, how do you handle the Kaprizov situation if it's that? You know, you only have this guy under contract for two more years after this one. You punt this and we talk about yeah. a couple of years. Do you punt next and all of a sudden is this guy gonna want out? And it, they did not, you know, it's yeah. why they haven't, it's probably why they haven't done. It's probably why they didn't make a decision like this organically. Right. And just didn't make it on their own. Like it's happening by accident, yeah. but. And it's why brother. it's always easier said than done for people like me and fans to say like, just suck this year. It's not always that yeah. simple. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Let's, uh, let's hit the Pacific, right? We're good. Yes. On, we're good on the central. I, I don't know how we can top Go Minnesota Preds. there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Pride, six game win streak. That's it's fun <laughs> and exciting. Uh GM Barry Trotz. Well Are done. the Kings the best team in the league? I think they might be. Some are asking. Are the Los Angeles Kings the uh, best team in the league? I took them in that thing we did. Ugh, that cursed thing. That thing. What did we call that? The team draft. Yeah. Really creative. We really creative. Name. We said Omaha. We, we still haven't heard from Omaha Steaks, so we haven't been talking about it on air because yeah, we're trying to we get some sponsor money here but, or sponsor meat, I should say. Yeah, I love sponsored meat. Ew. L.A. Kings, Sean, you think they're the best team in the league? If Kim Talbot keeps playing like this, they might be. Is he I think the MVP right now? We talked about this before the show. I think at this point, like, in terms of what he's provided relative to what we thought you know they'd get from their goaltending ahead of the season and that that was it right it was can some combination of cam talbot and phoenix copley step up and take that team from like a legit playoff team but no one who you'd uh no one who you'd pick to whatever go to the conference final or whatever to a legit favorite Mm -hmm. And the dude's been great. He's been unsustainably great, some yeah. would say. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, great all the same. He's he's been a easily top top five, at worst top seven or eight goaltender in the in the league this year, right? And that's and that's crazy. Nobody nobody thought that was coming. But I think the fact that you look at the Kings and you look at their record and you look how good they've been overall, it just shows that there was so much good stuff, good underlying stuff going on there that they just needed some level of consistency and production from from the goaltender. I think the best thing you can say about the Kings is, is that they're good enough to the point where they don't need Cam Talbot to finish the season fifth and goal saved above expected and third and save percentage or whatever. They don't need that. They need yeah. him to be good. They don't need him to be great, mm-hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that he has been great thus far. Yeah, the team in front of him has been <clears throat> excellent, and I think the Gabrikov uh, Matt Roy pairing has been mm-hmm. excellent. Um, 469 minutes together at five on five, and the Kings have outscored opponents 27 to 12. 
uh, that's kind of like an unsustainable rate. Um, but like they're driving, like their offense is coming from their defensive play, right? Like they're really good at getting the puck out of the zone. They can lock it down and they transition the puck into the offensive zone. That's been a really good pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, that team just has a lot of depth too. Um, again, I'm pulling from Dom's 16 stats. Just two of their 18 regular skaters, Trevor Lewis and Mikey Anderson, um, have a below average net rating this season. So that means 16 of their skaters, 89% of their skaters, have performed better than the league average skater. By far the best mark in the league. Um, Is that a sustainable thing to think that everyone on that team is going to click along at that rate. I don't know, but everyone in front of Cam Talbot has been solid too by most metrics. And they're doing this without like really high level production from Pierre-Luc Dubois too, who is sort of, that was uh, an outstanding question for them at the start of the season. Like, can this guy be a true one or two center in terms of production? And he hasn't been, right? They're doing it because Adrian Kempe has been great and Kevin Fiala has been great and Quentin Byfield's leveled up and Kopitar's like all these, there's a really... And I think that is a testament to their strength as a team is that you is that those guys can support 15 or 16 or 18 so so games from a really important player in, in the lineup. They're they're fascinating. I, I don't know if I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked by Cam Talbot. I'm not shocked by the by the guys around him necessarily, even though they've been, you know, great by any way you want to slice it. Can I give you the other Southern California team? I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, the Oilers and the Canucks and those have been two huge stories this season. I don't know that Anaheim's like station in the league right now surprises people really, but it, a couple of their young guys have really like M- Pavel mm-hmm. Mintyukov coming in as a, you know, 20 year old defenseman. He's 2022 draft class and he's playing 19 minutes a night. He's been extremely productive, like almost on the Luke Hughes level. Uh, Mason McTavish is a stud. Like he's, he's got 10 goals already point per game player at 21 years old. Like I, I don't know that Anaheim's going to, make any huge noise, but of like the rebuilding teams, I'm the most impressed by Anaheim this year. They seem to have leveled up into this territory where we just talked about, you know, how with Buffalo, everyone stepped on the gas too quickly, but it's that kind of build coming here where you're like, oh, they are going to look like a wagon really soon. And that's even with Trevor Zegris being, you know, a non-factor so far. Mm -hmm. But he's become a bit of a non-factor because I think he's making improvements to the defensive slash 200. Yeah. And and he's been hurt and he's he's been hurt. So it's just, you know, he uh, might not be popping off this year, but I do feel like him working on those other things to round out his game is going to be better for him slash that team in the long run. Right. They need a couple of these guys to pop whoever, and you can even like kind of remove Zegers from the conversation, right? Like he's kind of, he's, Set set him apart to to some to some degree. They needed someone like McTavish or someone like Minyakov or Jamie Drysdale or one of these guys. This whole this like raft of high end prospects that they have coming into the season. Like sometimes prospects fail. We all know this. Mm-hmm. And at least a few of those guys, like you, you needed to start seeing actual returns on them to feel good about about it moving forward and ha- and being able to make that pivot from good prospects, actual good players. And McTavish and Minchikov are the two guys who it seems like have... And Leo, you know, like, right? Like Leo and, Carlson. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah right? totally, and, totally. And so it's like, now you have the dream in Anaheim. Now you have the, you know, do it all, but still is like roughly a point per game center in McTavish. You have mm-hmm. the like elite brain can be this dazzling offensive center in Carlson. Those are your one, two centers of the future. And you have a guy in Minchikov who I'm not saying he is a number one D, but he might be. And he definitely looks like a top pair of D and they have enough depth in that system that it's like, you know, it's the old LA Kings thing. You build down the middle centers in D and in goal and they're well on the way. Yep. I think the Ducks are a great one, Max. I think so. I was just going through our team draft and looking at who is in the quarter season lead. And I noticed And this is where the surprise comes in. I think we were all so tentative about the Vancouver Canucks that none of us drafted them. I thought Sean picked them. It's not true. I picked them. No, you did not. I absolutely did. No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you did not. 
Who do you and have as Sean's go back team? And Sean, the tape. you took Sean. You took Toronto, Edmonton, Boston, Minnesota, Calgary, and Ottawa. There's no way he took Calgary. Nobody took the Canucks. I just had that reaction. I have the sheet. We're Nobody gonna go back and Canucks. listen. I, I remember. I'm seriously, gonna go Canucks. listen to this. Nobody I, took the Vancouver Canucks. Why would according I? According to your sheet, nobody took the Vancouver I took Canucks. The I took live. I nobody took the Canucks. I, I think I, you might have written down Calgary thinking Canucks. I remember Sean, Sean taking took the, the Flames. There's no way. We'll see. Sean wouldn't do that. I hate the Flames. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone hates the Flames. The Flames there, hate the Flames. There's four Flames players at the top of the I know. Table. I laughed so hard at that. That's so funny. <laughs> I did, Will I kept any scrolling. of them actually be traded? We'll see. It actually would have been an all-timer to just have that trade board just be the 23-man Flames roster. Yeah. I read yeah. that. I, I read that on my phone. I read Chris Johnson's uh, big trade board, which published on Wednesday on, on my phone, and was scrolling down and reading. I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. there's Hannafin, there's Lindholm, By there's By the way, the TNM. same guys who were on the board in the summer who weren't traded mm-hmm. in the summer. Four reasons I probably think were like, uh, NHL GM saying like let's try to pull one over yeah. on rookie Craig Conroy like I, yeah. I genuinely believe we've had Conroy on the show I've talked to, I, I honestly feel like moves weren't made because the moves were terrible like yeah. I don't like if there was a good move on the board I think he would have done it like he's been yeah. very open about like where they're at and you just have to believe that there wasn't a good deal on the table for Noah Hannafin otherwise Hannafin wouldn't be on the flames there's not a more um, likable GM than Craig Conroy. And he's a nice, really nice guy. He's and <laughs> I really hope that his first chance doesn't turn into just a complete, you know, yeah. not, you know, bad news, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crap sandwich, I guess we'll say. Well, mm-hmm. we're at a point where we're talking about the Flames are at a major. We've been talking about this major inflection point. Are they going to pivot? They're going to take a radical new approach. And I feel like. Flames fans have had to listen to that conversation so many times over the years just just for them to not take that pivot, just for them to say, let's try to minimize the damage as best we can. I've said it a bunch of times. People are probably sick of it. Sean's sick of it. The pivot point they should have taken was after Gaudreau and Kachuk. It was the most natural and obvious, and now they're stuck with a team that is too good to blow up and not good enough to do anything of consequence. Other so than that, our, things are going that's great That's our conversation there. about the Flames. Uh, let's go back to the Vancouver Canucks, who, sure, you guys can go back and listen, but according to my scribble paper, no, <laughs> nobody took the Vancouver Canucks. And they have the most regulation wins. They are tied for the most regulation wins in the NHL right now. 14, the Canucks and the Colorado Avalanche. We've been having these conversations, I feel like, for the whole first few months of the season of, when are they going to regress? This is unsustainable. And I think there are things that will regress for the Vancouver Canucks, but like not to the point where this isn't going to be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Am I crazy? Am I being very bullish on this team? Because if the season ended today, again, top in the league in regulation wins, they've got the best goal differential, plus 34. And they have uh, JT Miller, Quinn Hughes, Elias Pettersson, in the top seven in league scoring. Uh, Brock Besser's winning the Rocket. <laughs> love that so much. And I love that for him as a human. I don't know Brock Besser. But my parasocial relationship with Brock Besser tells me <laughs> that I love that for him. <laughs> There's a lot clicking well. Rick Tockett's got them playing. You know, we've had this conversation before Pedersen yeah. gets a hat trick and he still gets benched for three minutes. Cause he coughed the puck up in the D zone and you know, it's six two win like that. Rick talk. It's trying to drill that into those guys. JT Miller's playing better. Brock Besser's rounding out his game. Quinn Hughes has been unbelievable. I'm kind of bullish on the Canucks. Yeah. Will I regret fi- this? I had Maybe. to Corey and I did our trade value rankings list last week and had some wars. Corey with, who? Uh, <laughs> Uh, had some wars with Canucks fans not happy with with Quinn Hughes's placement on that list. They never are. Oh, but yeah, we only had him as like the number six defenseman on that. But I understand why the frustration because he has been the number one defenseman in the NHL this season. Like he is my Norris vote today, and that's with mm-hmm. Kale McCarr having also been outstanding. Yeah. Um, that's not wasn't the point of that list, but I believe that Quinn Hughes would be on my Norris ballot today. Yeah. And 
I don't know if that's outlandish. Games, by the way, uh, he's third in the league in scoring. And so much of that <laughs> team is that absolutely ridiculous power play that I yes. think Quinn Hughes is the centerpiece of. And so when I look at JT Miller's production, JT Miller's a great player. Obviously, I think the power play is a, a huge component of why he has had the season that he has had. At he's been Pedersen. better at five on five this year too. Yes, no, he's having a great the, year. The Miller Besser line. I was, you know, looking into this yesterday because I was on Sportsnet Radio and we were talking about the Canucks, and I was kind of like pleasantly surprised by how well that line, like Besser and Miller, have been at five on five this year. No, it, it's been really good, but I, I just think that power play is driving that team. And I think Quinn Hughes is driving that power play. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're kind of a mid five on five team by a lot of metrics. That's fine. They're also five and five in their last 10. So like, yeah, started to come back to earth a little bit, but guess what? All the points count. And in that, in that division and in that conference, 20 great games or 25 great games. That's like more than enough to, to, to make you a threat for sure. Absolutely. Quinn, Quinn Hughes is, at the top of my on my Norris ballot. Does that mean that I want him for the rest of his career over Kale McCarr or Adam Fox? Like maybe not, but the dude's closed the gap and he's been the guy this year. And that should be enough for now, right? Like it doesn't need to be more than that. Sean, you made the point earlier this season, I think it was like ten to twelve games ago, like has Vancouver already banked enough points that they are like a playoff lock? And I think we're at the point where it's like if they get one point out of every game for the rest of the season, which like is on an average, right? Like if if they're a 500 points percentage team, they're going to finish at 90 points. I mean, do we think that that they're going to get passed up? Do we think they're going to get passed up in that division by the flames or the Kraken at this point? No. Who are both eight points behind them and significantly worse. No way. No way. So they're, to me, they're locked for one of the, divisional spots not a wild card spot like this like they're in fine 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 shape yeah 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 i think if we were to say today who's making the playoffs in the western conference it's the like there's when you look at the i think the locks in the west it's there's the i think there's a tier that we would all feel comfortable in saying it's the avs the stars the golden knights and then there's that second Yes. And then there's that second tier and maybe even the Kings are in that second tier. Then there's that tier of saying like, I believe that they're going to be in, but I'm not going to put them in the same tier with, you know, two teams that won the Stanley cup and and the stars who were a wagon. And then you have, that's where you have the Canucks and the Kings and then maybe the jets. And then it's kind of just the rest. And then it's just like, I don't know what else is going to happen here in the bottom with the wild card spots. Tom Durant's made me do this on his radio show a couple of days ago. As he, I go on with him a lot, it's like it's once a week. He makes me every week. Him and Jamie Dodd as co-host make me put the Pacific Division into tears. And the big question for me, and this applies to the division, it applies to the conference. Same same question is what do you, is whether you rate the Kings in the Canucks. On the same level. Not me. I don't think I do. And Drance doesn't either. He thinks the Kings are better than the Canucks, which is, which I was like, you know, not surprised here because we love, we love Drancer, but he just set me up on Vancouver radio to be like, yeah, I think, I think they're worse than the Kings. And just kind of like, kind of like toss it off. And that was the tweet. That was the clip. Sean Gentile. Honestly, it honestly might've been. (laughs) Yeah. Well, do you think that the Kings are better than the Canucks? Like in yeah. a different, do you think they're in that top tier or in the same tier? Um, we put them with the, with Vegas, honestly. Uh, it too. was, it was, it was Vegas and LA together. And then the Canucks a step below them. I'm pretty sure is where we landed. Yeah. I think the West is compelling because you have a lot of those elite teams, uh, the teams that are high on the watchability rankings, teams we know are going to make the playoffs. And then you have a ton of question marks. And that's, again, where we talk about the Blues, the Preds, the Coyotes having better seasons than expected. They're in the mix, right? Oh, by the way, Jeremy Rutherford had a really cool story that came out today. Um, like he did a day in the life with Craig Berube. Uh, very cool story. If you want to see what happens for a coach. JR's on a heater, baby. He's writing yeah, all sorts of sweet, stuff. Sweet JR. We love king. him dearly. Read his story. He is a king. Um, and then you've got the question marks of, the Flames, uh, the Kraken, and the Oilers. So I feel like we've almost buried the lead a little bit. 
but it's fine. There's been lots of interesting teams to talk about, but let's hit the Oilers quickly before we wrap up the show. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Oilers have won three straight while Connor McDavid is riding three straight games with multiple points. He's also scored 15 points in his last four games. Like he is on the last five games, excuse me. He is on a heater. Uh, he is back. And this is the, I guess, the typical radio question. Connor McDavid's back are the Oilers. Uh, it's still not that, a perfect that roster. That is a typical radio Ooh, question. Here's my throw to bring on our Oilers beat reporter, Sean Gentilly. <laughs> Don't um, say that. It's still an imperfect roster, mm-hmm. um, but all of a sudden they've won three straight. They're six four zero. They beat the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, McDavid is back up. You know, you, you don't watch the or you don't look at the the stat leaderboard for a few days, and McDavid's not on it, and you just know like I'm going to see this in a few days, and he's going to be like back at the top eventually, and, and he's he's on his way. He's doing his thing, like. Do we all, I guess the question, do we all think the Oilers are going to make the playoffs at the end of the day? <laughs> I still kind of do. Uh, I've, I've, I've forced myself to say from the jump that, that they're still going to make it. They're going to figure it out. <laughs> and it was, it was start, it was starting to get dark, but yeah. Sean, have you seen the underlying numbers? I was shocked. For the Oilers. For the Oilers? The expected yeah. goal share. Yeah. Second best in the NHL. They're good. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I expect Jack it to Campbell. be better than their record, but yeah, you have Jack to Campbell, Stuart Skinner, Jack Campbell, Stuart Skinner, Calvin Jack Picard. Campbell, Stuart. I guess Calvin Picard. <laughs> we can't blame him. He's 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 still new he in town. The, he was the answer. <laughs> let's put That's Jack Campbell in the American League and let's start Calvin Picard. Was like it was go- it was goaltending. I know everybody was everybody was crushing Woodcroft and installing a new defensive system and all that stuff. That dude got. Fired I think he should get crushed for that. I think something. I think something went wrong if the coach decided to implement a new mm-hmm. defensive system and then the whole team sucked within that defensive system. Maybe you shouldn't have touched it, or maybe you should have, you know, if they implemented it better. I don't know. I think what Haley's saying is: Would you rather win these games four one or seven five? Uh, I'm trying. I was trying. I was trying to do like a. I just, I just like stared You're dead eyed into the camera and do like the full the full McDavid grumpy dry sidle pissy dry dry sidle. We love it. Yeah, there. I I, I still. I would I act think, that way too. I do act still, that way. You mean would? It's a good. <laughs> it's a good hockey team, and I think you know they needed to go on a run like this where they won three straight and had McDavid look like McDavid. And yeah. Guess what? It happened. So everybody can still say like, Oh yeah, I feel good about them making the playoffs because the Pacific stinks. It stinks. Right. Like at the end of the day, who would you, who do you think, who would you rather put money on Anaheim, Calgary, Seattle, or Connor McDavid's Edmonton Oilers? And they get to play all those teams a whole lot. Right, but yes, we do know that a bad goalie can torpedo the whole thing. We've seen it, so they do need to figure that out. Even for a wild card, right? They're only five points out. Like I think they can wild. That's wild. The way that we've been talking about that team, and they're not even that far back. Because that's what it takes. That's what it takes. There's just you win six out of six points, then all of a sudden you're back in the loop. The issue is that there's not that many teams that can do it. The teams at the bottom of the league, it's it's easier said than done. You're like, sure, just rattle off. You know, nine to ten points, and you're right back in it. The Oilers can do that. The Columbus Blue Jackets cannot do that. Like it, like for some teams, it's impossible. For them, it is not. And let's consider the fact that, like, who are all the players on the trade board? It's players on the Flames. It's players on the Ducks. Like those teams are probably not, like if they end up selling off in the way that trade boards might suggest. Like the Flames aren't going to be in the thick of it if they're yeah. selling off Chris Tanev and Noah. Like they're top defenders uh for futures uh prospects picks etc so that's another thing to to keep in mind when we're talking about the oilers so that's our quarter season report the quarter season team draft report (laughs) have you compiled refresh from my scribble yeah that's what i was doing while you guys were talking while sean was talking so i drafted the devils the stars the Rangers, the Kings, 
the Penguins, and the Jets. I'm feeling pretty good about yeah, this. That's, that I think I good. did a good job. Uh, 74 wins at the quarter season mark for me. Snaps. Great. Great job. Okay. Max uh, had the Canes, the Avs, the Golden Knights, the Lightning, the Sabres, and the Panthers. So pretty, pretty, pretty good for Max. Max has 75 wins. So Max is in the oh. lead. And Sean drafted the Leafs, the Oilers, the Bruins, the Wilds, the Flames, slash maybe the Canucks, <laughs> according the Canucks. to him. That's a six-win yes. difference for what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it's not going to matter. Sean's in last place. Uh, and he got the Sens. Sean, Sean took some swings. Sens have only played 17 games. How many wins? How many wins do I have? 55. Oh, <laughs> that's tough. The, I mean, the wild, Good dude. God. The wilder are an absolute anchor. You're killing there. me. Yeah, yeah. The wilds have six wins. Edmonton and Ottawa have eight. So those are your. But they're coming. Edmonton's yeah. coming. Ottawa's coming. That'll turn around a little bit. And Vancouver, Toronto, when we get that Toronto. fixed, will yeah, yeah, when we get it. Just got the Canucks. That's 14 wins instead of nine. For... I picked them to make the playoffs yeah, in our preseason. I remember this. They had to win the cup a year ago. You did? You did. The Canucks? The Canucks? Picked, I did not. Oh, no, Sean picked the Flames to win the Cubs. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I there's it's an it's an old saying. I and it came from somebody it came from somebody famous, but it's like you pick some goofy shit and stuff like that, and you make some goofball predictions, everyone remembers it. And if you if you're wrong, whatever, you're wrong yeah. like most other people. Anthony are Stewart picking Jack Campbell to win the Vesna will forever be <laughs> the funniest thing ever. Oh, it's iconic. Dude. It's great. I love him for it. Um, Sean drafted Phil Gustafson in the fantasy draft very high. Sure did. I Guess drafted who might... Thatcher Demko very low, and I'm you know, looking like the smartest person in the league. You know who my other goalie is? Who, who my other drafted goalie is? Who? Devin Levi. Oh, Gustafson and Devin Levi. I'm done. Did and I, you dropped Merzlikens. I, I, I picked up Merzlikens, which... Help me beat Max the other day. You both have beaten me by, but for the record, uh, less than two points in that fantasy league. It's the difference between me having a losing record and a winning record. Sean, did I screw you by talking up Philip Gustafson so much on this show right before that draft? I don't think so. I, I think I, I think it's probably Russo's fault, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I blame don't spend I blame too Mike personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're gonna make sure you get a latte. I went for coffee with Mike Russo and drafted Ryan Hartman. <laughs> we didn't go for coffee. That's, that's your fault. I dropped, I dropped him quickly. Uh, anyways, my team started 0-4, but I'm making my way back up. Let's go. That's the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, yes, for listening. Let's Do I have go to indeed. say something, Jeff? Is there an outro in here? Yeah, there is. <laughs> this is stellar. A1 seat for me. Uh... I stopped hosting a daily radio show and forgot how to act. Everyone who listened to the show last year and this year is probably like, what happened to her? <sighs> yeah, me, Let me, me know too. if you like it in the comments. <laughs> Sound <laughs> Give off. Give us a rating. <laughs> Sound off in the comments. Give us a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic NHL's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at The Athletic Hockey Show if we post clips from this if you're lucky, you'll see my dog in the background. He is the cutest boy in the world. Uh, and the Athletic Hockey Show returns Friday with the Prospect Series with Max Boltman again, Corey Promen, and a special guest, Chris Peters. Uh, and hey. just want to let you know, as we're heading into December, a new subscription to The Athletic makes a great Christmas present. You can get a one-year subscription for $19.99 a year. Or a two-year subscription for $39.99. The offer is available until January 1st, 2024. You can get that at theathletic.com slash gift sale. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week.